welcome you here tonight to this very special occasion. We come sorrowful, yet rejoicing, as we celebrate the life of Jeannie Hepner, one of the sweetest, sincerest saints that any of us have ever had the opportunity to know. But as Jeannie would have it, we're not here so much to sing her praises but to sing the praises of her precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who she loved so dearly. And in fact, Jeannie specifically requested not to have a service like this. <laughs> Shows you how obedient George was all these years. Um, she never liked to be the center of attention. She always wanted to be in the background, serving others. And so we want to honor her request tonight by honoring Christ. And so rather than focusing on Jeannie's death, we want to focus on Jesus' death because that's the real reason we can rejoice and we can sing in the midst of our pain and our grief. From our limited human perspective, Jeannie's life was prematurely and painfully cut short. God took her from us far too soon None of us were ready to give her up. And even though we prayed for God to do a miracle so we could keep Jeannie here just a little while longer, God in his sweet providence wisely and mercifully chose to take her home to be with him in heaven. And while we're left here on earth mourning her loss, she is in God's presence right now enjoying what she was made for. And what she always longed to do. If you knew Jeannie, she longed to worship and adore Jesus Christ face to face. The book of Revelation gives us a glimpse into heaven and what Jeannie is experiencing right now. Revelation chapter 5, verse 13 says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. And I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Our loss is truly Jeannie's gain. In Philippians chapter 1 The Apostle Paul wrote this, my earnest expectation and hope is that Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I know this was Jeannie's hope. I know this is George's hope and their kids' hope that Christ would be exalted not only by her life but also her death. And so let me pray towards that end tonight, shall we? Lord, you are a great and glorious God, so worthy to be worshiped and adored for all that you are, all that you have done and continue to do for us. And Lord, even when you do things that we don't understand and that hurt really bad, 
We know that as the heavens are higher than the earth, your ways are higher than our ways. And your thoughts are thoughts. And we know that you are always good and only good. And that you cause all things to work together for good in the lives of those who love you and have been called according to your purpose. There's no doubt in my mind, God, that Jeannie and her family truly love you. They've been sovereignly and graciously called out of this world to know and to serve you. And while this is a sad, painful, shocking loss for all of them, we are confident that you will use it for your glory and their good and will provide them the strength and the comfort and the hope to endure this unexpected, unwanted trial. You've told us in your word, God, that the death of godly people like Jeannie is precious in your sight. And that Jesus himself has been praying and longing for Jeannie to be with him in heaven so she could see him as all all his glory. And so we come before you tonight and we have sorrow mixed with joy because we know that Jeannie is, is truly in a better place and that you mercifully spared her and her family from having to watch her suffer in some potentially paralyzed or debilitated state. Thank you for allowing them to to see your clear fingerprints of grace all over this heartbreaking situation, just to give them comfort, to give them hope, give them peace. And now, Lord, as we just take a few minutes to remember all all that we love so much about Jeannie, we ask that her life would point us to Jesus and that ultimately... Jesus would be lifted up and exalted tonight so that if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that they would be drawn to Christ tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A critic of the early church made a profound observation about Christians. He said this, The most confusing thing to me about Christians is that when one passes from their fellowship, they rejoice, and they sing songs, and they think of them as only passing from one place to another, and that there's a soon reunion. Some of what happens here tonight, for some of you, may sound and seem very strange, but God has told us in his word that this is how we who believe in Christ should respond to the death of a fellow believer. That's why we're going to sing. Some of George and Jeannie's favorite, uplifting, encouraging worship songs tonight. George, one of the clearest pictures I have of you and Jeannie will always be sitting out there, standing out there in, in the congregation, just worshiping with all your heart. You used to love to stand, stand side by side worshiping Christ. They love to worship, and really, music has played a very important role in their relationship with Christ, so much so that they've been strategic in every minister of music that we've ever hired at Lakeside Bible Church. They got in on the act. They wanted to make sure we were getting the right guy. That's how much it mattered to them. They all had to pass the Hepner test. (laughs) And so I think it's only appropriate that this is the first memorial service in the history, the 15-year history of Lakeside Bible Church, that we've ever had our entire band leading worship at a service. And so let's stand and let's worship our great God knowing, knowing that our praise is converging with Jeannie's praise before the throne of grace. Let's sing together.
Based on your singing, it sounds to me like the true worshipers have shown up tonight. And I uh, so appreciate you belting out those songs to the glory of God. To know Jeannie was to love Jeannie. More importantly, to know Jeannie was to know Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, I simply mean that she beautifully reflected Jesus. And how she humbly, quietly, selflessly, and sacrificially died to herself to serve others. She had the gift of mercy, didn't she? She had a special place in her heart for those who were hurting. She was extremely sensitive to the needs of those around her, and she was very in tune with other people's feelings. She was always very sweet and gentle and kind, wanted to make sure no one was ever overlooked or felt left out. She really cared about other people. I mean, sincerely cared and loved them for who they were and wherever they were at in life. She was interested in them, wanted to know about them. And so she would ask Interesting questions. I'm sure she asked you a few interesting questions over the years. Just, just curious. She, she was a curious woman, and she wanted to know, and she would ask questions. She really wanted to know you. And then she would listen attentively to your answer. I think that's why so many people considered her their best friend, because she made everybody feel like her best friend. Those of you who are closest to Jeannie know that behind that sweet, innocent demeanor, however, yeah, exactly, she could be really silly and naughty at times. She had a mischievous side to her, and uh, I think a lot of it was just to kind of get George ruffled up a little bit. Because he can be a little straight-laced every once in a while. <laughs> and so that was a great match. And uh, Jeannie always kept George on her toes. Well, I've heard some of the stories. I'd rather not repeat them here at church. <laughs> but you can always ask one of her partners in crime, Jackie Giloff, and I'm sure she'd be happy to share with you all the sort of details of their times together. One of my favorite stories about Jeannie happened when she was serving as our church secretary, and this was before we had this facility and uh, we were renting some space uh, down the road and we just had a, a secretary's office and then two offices for uh, me and another one of our pastors. And so she would come in every morning and open up the office and get everything ready and then we'd, we'd come a little bit later and, and get into our day. And so one morning I was at my house and I heard a knock on the door and I went to the front door and there was Jeannie. And, and, and she looked very concerned. And I said, Jeannie, what's the matter? Is everything okay? 
And she, she, I could tell she didn't really know how to tell me what she wanted to tell me. And she said, um, well, I went to open the office today and, and uh, there's some white powder on the floor right in front of my desk. And this was when anthrax was being mailed around all over the place. <laughs> and, and if you knew Jeannie, she loved to watch the news and um, she would get into the news and she would like believe everything she watched on the news and it was like going to happen to her. And, and, and so she said, there's this white powder and I'm really concerned that it might be anthrax. And, and she wasn't being silly, she was being serious. And so I said, well, Jeannie, let me go, come on over and we'll, we'll check it out. And so sure enough, we walked in to the office there and big, there was a little pile of white powder right in front of her desk. And so I thought I'd just freak her out. And I went down, put my finger in it, and went like this. <laughs> just, and, and I looked around and I said, man, that's kind of odd. Where did that come from? And I happened to look up and one of the ceiling tiles had been crumbling and had made a little pile of dust the night before. <laughs> and I was like, I pointed it up to Jeannie, and I said, Jeannie, you got to quit watching the news, okay? Because <laughs> you're going to freak yourself out, all right? And uh, she was just one story like that after another. She was a comedy act in many ways when it came to those kinds of things. Now, we were blessed to have Jeannie work with us at the church because she only worked outside the home in her later years after her kids had grown and gone. We know that her top priority was her family, And she found great joy in serving them and making home a a special place for them to be. And she was an excellent wife and an excellent mother and an excellent homemaker. Mike and Kelly, I know I don't have to tell you this, but she was was crazy about you guys. She loved you guys like crazy. And uh, you you heard joy and crown. And you grandkids... Let me just encourage you for a, for a second, okay? I think anyone who lost their grandmother the way you did would be tempted to maybe question God's goodness and to get angry and bitter towards God and maybe even walk away from the Lord, maybe even rebel against the Lord. But I want to remind you that all of you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. By and large, through your Mimi's testimony. And I know nothing would grieve her more than knowing that her death caused you to walk away from the Lord. There's a famous old saying, you might not remember it, but maybe your parents can remind you of it later. It goes like this, never doubt in the darkness what God has taught you in the light. Never doubt in the darkness what God has taught you in the light. And so I encourage you guys not to doubt God's goodness during this dark time, but continue to trust him and honor him with your life. George, apart from Christ, you know You were the love of her life. I'm sure it seems like just yesterday when you met that pretty 15-year-old blonde girl at the dance, never dreaming that your relationship would go any further than a few dances that night. I'm sure you'll never forget your first date, that double date with your best friends at the drive-in theater, sitting in the backseat of the car as far apart as you possibly could be (laughs) until it was time to make the move. 
and you went and got some popcorn and some drinks. <laughs> so you had an excuse to cozy on over to her side to share. And then, in Jeannie's own words, you said you finally got the nerve up to put your arm around her. The next thing you knew, she was working at your parents' bakery, where she gained 12 pounds in the first few weeks. <laughs> and you still loved her? And not too long after that, you were pulling into the Jesse James Hotel around midnight on your honeymoon without any reservations, and they only had one room with two double beds. And the owner said that she wouldn't charge you as much if you just, if you used just one bed. As if that was even an option. If there was ever a marriage that exemplified God's intention for marriage, a man leaving his father and mother and cleaving to his wife and the two becoming one flesh, it was yours, George. And we thank God for that. I think every guy in our church has hated your guts at some point because you made us all look so bad. (laughs) Such lame husbands compared to you. You were high school sweethearts, and you just never stopped being high school sweethearts. So thank you for modeling for us what a godly, biblical, Christ-centered marriage looks like. I've read books about your marriage. I've watched movies about your marriage. And one of the most touching moments I've ever experienced as a pastor and probably will ever experience as a pastor, George, is when you allowed me to go back with you to see Jeannie in the ICU after you had just found out that she was going to die. And we went back there, and I'll never forget watching you touch her and talk to her so tenderly and telling her that she was your one and only and what a pleasure, what a joy it was to love her. I felt like I was on holy ground. And so, George, while you no longer have your dear, beloved wife by your side, I pray that you find joy in being surrounded by the fruit of your love, your your children and your grandchildren. And every time you spend time with them, you're going to be spending time with your beloved. Well, right now, we are going to have a chance to get a glimpse of Jeannie's life through the eyes of her grandsons, and then after that, we're going to hear from her daughter, Kelly. So guys, why don't you come, and uh... Hi. Um, My name's Ryan. Um, I'm here with my brother, Jake, and uh, Mason, and Caleb, and... um, if you knew our grandmother, um, she had a lot, a lot of favorite Bible verses. And so uh, we're going to read a couple of them for you, um, starting with uh, Genesis 2, um, verses 18 through uh, 25. Um, then the Lord God said, it is, not, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the, gl- out of the ground, the Lord God has formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens 
and brought them to the man to see what he, call, he would call them. And whatever the man called him, every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds and to the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a, there was not a found a, <coughs> excuse me, um, there was not a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed up its place in flesh. And the rib that the, God Lord, that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because he was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold up fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Hi, I'm Jake. Um, this verse is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Um, and this is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this, not from yourselves, is the, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Hi, I'm Caleb, and um, I'm going to read Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Hi, I'm Mason. Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I'm going to read, because if I don't read, I may not stay vertical. <laughs> the world was forever changed when my mom, Jeannie Ann Skidmore, was born on February 28, 1949. She was born in Madison, Wisconsin, to Howard and Sylvia Skidmore. Her father worked for the State Highway Commission, and her mom stayed at home with her and her older brother, Bill. Over the years, she always talked about how carefree and happy her childhood was. She talked of riding her bike down tree-filled streets, playing kick the can after dark after, um, with the neighborhood kids, jumping in piles of fall leaves, ice skating at the skating rink down the street from her home, playing with paper dolls for hours and playing up in the attic. I remember my grandma telling me that as a child, when she asked what my mom wanted to do that day, she would always say the same thing. I want to go on a picnic, and I want to go to a parade, and I want to eat ice cream. <laughs> she even then loved the simple joys of life. My mom had a wonderful relationship with her brother as a child. He was a stutterer. He stuttered. And as a result, he spent a lot of time by himself um, and in his room. And from an early age, God used that to build the qualities of compassion and empathy within her. She was fiercely protective of him and never wanted him to hurt in any way. She learned the value of being a friend to others through this first relationship with her sibling that, her, that God had given her. 
In seventh grade, the older sister of one of my mom's friends was dating a boy. Together, my mom and her friend peeked through the basement windows um, of her house and spied on her friend's older sister. They saw two boys kissing two girls on the couch down in that basement. (laughs) And they sat outside giggling and laughing until much to their dismay, these two young couples switched partners. And she was mortified. And little did she know that one of those men would soon be her husband. (laughs) It's all coming out, Dad. My mom officially met my father a few years later in June of 1964 at a dance at Hillcrest Country Club. My mom, my dad asked my mom to dance, um, and she always felt like it was because his best friend wanted to dance with her best friend, and he just felt guilty with her standing there alone. (laughs) But dad danced with her the next weekend, too, before asking her out on a double date to the drive-in movie. Dad always wondered why she polished the door handle early in their dating, meaning she sat so close to the passenger side of the door that she kept it clean. And um, Dad, I think that watching you switch kissing partners played a little bit of role in that. (laughs) That date with my dad was the first real date she had, and what a date it must have been, because from that moment on, her eyes were only on you. My parents married June 7th, 1969. My mom was 20 years old. Their honeymoon night, they stayed, as Ken said, at the Jesse James Motel, and they didn't even have a reservation. Like Ken said, they arrived around midnight. The owner put them in a room with two double beds, and she told my parents that she wouldn't charge them as much if they only used one of the beds. They've laughed about that for years, for there was no intention of needing a second bed. (laughs) My mom dreamed big. She dreamed of marrying my dad and becoming a mother. Both dreams were fulfilled when Michael was born just two years after their wedding date. She absolutely delighted in Mike. I was born three years later to make our family complete. If you really know my mom, you know that she had a hard time saying no to anybody. She never wanted to hurt anyone's feelings. So when the doorbell rang when she was 24 years old and the couple wanted to share their faith, with them and their beliefs about the the Bible, she just simply felt too guilty to turn them away. For the following five to six weeks, this couple came every Wednesday evening. My mom had grown up believing in God. She'd gone to church every single Sunday as a child and as a teen. Her parents were Christians and talked about God in their home. But what my mother didn't understand at that point in her life was that God was not a distant God that um, this precious couple showed my parents in God's word that he was a personal God and that she could actually have a relationship with him. And for the first time, she believed that died on the cross to save her individually. She got on her knees in Owatonna, Minnesota, Minnesota, simply believed and placed her trust in Christ. My My father soon after did the same. The trajectory of our lives were forever changed And our family, that trajectory was changed forever. Her life was transformed, and everyone who had the blessing of calling her friend knows that she was one special lady. My mom will always be remembered as a woman of great faith. Her Bible was always nearby. 
She participated in Bible studies immediately after becoming a Christian and steadily grew in her faith over the years. I think she was part of four different Bible studies when she passed. For years, she has loved participating in Princeton Ministries, where she would help prisoners grow in their knowledge and faith in the Lord. I have memories of my mom and I laying in my bed before bedtime when I was in grade school singing praise songs. We'd even sing out of a hymnal, and if you've heard my mom or I sing, it probably wasn't very pretty. <laughs> when Mike and I got into trouble, she used God's word to tell us how, to desi- how God's design for living obediently was to provide for us and to protect us. She was a fighter, but she fought on her knees. Mike and I always took such comfort in knowing that she was always praying for us. She prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed for each of our children and for y'all, her grandchildren. I now think I know why she had such a bad neck and such a bad back. (laughs) My mom will be remembered by her genuine care for others. She could sit with a stranger and know their life story in a short period of time. She wanted to know everything about a person. She asked so many questions because she was truly interested in people and how they felt about things. She made everyone feel special. When a little girl waved to me on the bus when I was in first grade, she insisted we walk down the street to meet the girl and her mom who were new to Texas. She knew this woman did not yet have friends. And after knocking on that door, she and Joanne have been soul sisters for 34 years. And she had a knack for knowing just what to do when others were in need. When her dear friend Amanda lost her husband, Amanda arrived home from the hospital after the hardest moment of her life. My mom and her friend Julie arrived at Amanda's house beforehand, let themselves in and brewed coffee so that when Amanda got home, she could simply have a cup of coffee and friends to cry with. Many of you have similar stories of her genuine care for you. My mom will be remembered for her joy. She loved living and was so full of life and happiness. She made our house a home growing up. My friends used to make fun of my parents and call us the Cleavers. (laughs) My mom was always smiling, always had our house spick and span, and always made sure that we had a lean meat, a vegetable, a fruit, and a starch. (laughs) Mike's friends didn't make fun of him. They simply just wanted to be there at our home. Because my mom was so consistently happy, relatable, and fun to be around. My mom was known to many as sweet and angelic, but to those who knew her best, she will be remembered as crazy, goofy, and mischievous. (laughs) She would do the craziest things just to make us smile. She'd intentionally drag toilet paper from the back of her pants after using the restroom. (laughs) She would pin my brother down on the ground when he was a teenager. I don't know if you remember this and try to let her drool drip down onto his face (laughs) while laughing hysterically. Once in high school, a friend of mine played a trick on me, and she paid them back. She brought a heart-shaped box full of chocolates and took out all the chocolates. She instead rolled little pieces of cow poop and (laughs) put those in that heart. And she gave that to him for graduation. It's true. My 
My kids used to call her crazy, I'm sorry, Mike's kids used to call her crazy grandma, and she took that as a huge compliment. Her grandkids had so much fun with her, and she was their first playmate. It could be because she walked out with her underwear on her head, with Kleenex coming out of both nostrils, that, she thought, that they thought she was a hoot. Her friend's stories are too many and too ridiculous to share in front of a crowd. My mom and I, I'm sorry, my mom will mostly be remembered to Mike and I as our friend. She had a full-time job, I don't know if you all know that. It was talking to and supporting us. I talked to her probably five times a week, and most of those conversations lasted at least two hours. Mike used to talk to her all the time, too, and he would call her in Houston and when he left for a business trip and hang up when he pulled into San Antonio. She talked to my sweet nephew, Ryan, once a week for at least an hour and would talk to him all the way from Denton to Houston on his drives back and forth from college. Jackie Geloff told me there were many times she wanted to punch my lights out because my mom always was on the phone with me or Mike and she wouldn't click over for anyone else. (laughs) There were many times that we realized in the conversation that we need to ask about her and dad because she'd been asking so many questions about Mike and I and our kids. And after a few minutes, um, she'd steer that conversation right back to us and the grandkids once again. She took great delight in us and great delight in each of you guys. But most of all, my mom will be remembered for her love for her husband. Dad, you and mom set the bar. You just loved each other with total abandon. Mom loved you so much. She knew you loved her. I simply have no words, but I have my mom's words. I gave this book to my mom. I'm about to do a plug, an infomercial. This is the best thing I've ever given my mom. It's a book that has a lot of questions about her childhood, a lot of questions about her growing up years and her thoughts on different topics and first dates and everything else. She's been writing in it for years, and I found this by her bed, mostly completely filled out after she passed. But one of the questions says, what do you love best about Dad now? And she wrote, the way that he loves me. There's no reason why he should love me the way he does. But I'm so thankful that I can always count on his complete, tender, selfless love. What a blessing from God and so needed in my life. He always puts me first. He dies to himself. He's so considerate. He really is one of the most godly men I know. Such grace, for I am so undeserving of him. Dad, thank you for making her life so special. She will be missed. Thank you, Kelly. I can't imagine how hard that was for you, but I just want to encourage you that while that was a great tribute to your mom, your life is the greatest tribute to your mom. And I think we would all agree. If we know, if you know Kelly, she is a piece of her mom. And uh, so keep living for Jesus and you'll continue to honor her every day of your life. Well, I feel very honored tonight to be able to just briefly share a message with you, and I know it's only because Tommy Nelson wasn't available, (laughs) or Chuck Swindoll wasn't available, 
or John Piper wasn't available <laughs> because we know Jeannie loved these preachers and God really used them in, his, in her life. And, and so let me just be brief. None of us could have prepared for this past week. Everything was so sudden, it was so shocking. But Jeannie was prepared. She was ready. In fact, she wasn't morbid, but she was looking forward to dying. She was looking forward to going to be with Jesus. And she left clues all around her that that she was ready to go. And in fact, she'd even thought through what she wanted this day to look like. How many people do that? I showed up the, at the house the other day to start thinking through uh, arrangements for tonight, and they handed me this manila, uh, George handed me this manila envelope that just said Jeannie's funeral that she had written. And they, they pulled out of that envelope uh, a song list of all the songs that we've been singing tonight, annotated. Like she wrote little notes on the margin. This is why this song is so important and why you should sing it. This song is expressing my heart where I'm at with the Lord. This song is for you to minister to comfort to you here left behind. It was precious. Made our job easy. Kelly gave me the privilege of looking through that little book that Jeannie's been working on, filling out for her daughter. And there was one that Kelly pointed out to me that I thought was profound The question is this, recall for me some of the most important lessons you've learned in life. And this is what Jeannie wrote. To accept the things I cannot change, to bloom where I'm planted with God's help, that it goes way too fast, to live for today for there's no promise of tomorrow, and to live as Christ and to die as gain. That last lesson, to live as Christ and to die as gain, that was the passion of Jeannie's life ever since she truly came to know Christ when she was 24 years old, when those total strangers showed up at their door to share the gospel. And ever since Jeannie and George committed their lives to follow Christ, many years ago, she has just thrived and flourished as a Christian and she's just, her passion for Christ, her hunger for God's word has just grown and grown over the years. She loved to read and study the Bible. She wore out Bibles. There's, there's multiples like, which, I wanted her Bible. They, well, which one? Can, can I have a copy? I want to read it. Which one? So she loved to, to read the Bible, study the Bible. She loved to hear it explained and applied by various preachers and pastors and teachers. And it was through her study of God's word that Jeannie learned about the hope of heaven and where she developed this conviction, this confidence that she was going there when she died. No questions about it. And one of those passages that that talks so clearly about the hope of heaven is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And this is what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. He said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Paul was writing to those who were grieving over loved ones who had died. They had fallen asleep. That was the word in the Bible for for death. And apparently they had received some misinformation that if a person died before Jesus came back that they would miss 
the resurrection, and they would be lost forever, never to be seen again. And so Paul was writing to correct this wrong thinking, and notice he says, I'm writing so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. He, notice he didn't say not to grieve. He said, hey, quit, quit your grieving. He didn't say that. It's okay to grieve. It's good to grieve. It's necessary to grieve. But what he said is, just make sure you don't grieve as the rest of the people in the world who have no hope. I read somewhere that in Thessalonica, they actually had tombstones that were engraved with the phrase, no hope. How would you like that on your tombstone? In that pagan culture, they believed that once a person died, they were forever lost and there was no hope of ever seeing them again. But Paul wanted these believers to realize that that's not true for them. When we lose our brother or sister in Christ, we can look forward to seeing them again someday. We can have hope. We can grieve with hope. We have something good to look forward to. Something to expect eagerly and confidently. What is that hope? He says this, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. That's a reference to what's called the rapture, when Christ returns and raises all of his followers to be with him in heaven. Why do we know this? Because death is not a cessation of life, it's simply a separation of life. As someone wisely said, it's not death to die. It's not death to die. Jeannie's life is not over. Her time on earth is over. But she's as alive as ever in the presence of the Lord in heaven. And so what we're experiencing right now is simply a temporary separation. And that's why Paul said Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You're going to be together again. So go ahead and grieve, is what Paul's saying here. But as you grieve, take comfort in knowing that if you believe in Jesus Christ, that someday you are going to be reunited with Jeannie in heaven. And so... Tonight is not a goodbye. Don't have to say goodbye. Aren't you glad? It's more see you later. See you later, Jeannie. And the question is, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Like Jeannie believed in Jesus Christ. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, very simply, you need to first of all admit that you deserve to die because of your sin. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of those sin sin is death. So we need to admit that we deserve to die. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus Christ died in your place. 
He lived a life that you failed to live, and he died to death that you deserve to die. And that he rose again on the third day. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. And you need to admit the fact that you deserve to die. Believe that Jesus Christ died in your place on the cross and that it's through his substitutionary death in your place, it's the only way that you can be made right with God. The only way you can be forgiven for your sin. And then thirdly, you need to commit to live for Jesus Christ. To follow and obey him as your Lord, as your Savior for the rest of your life. The Bible says that he who believes in the Son will have life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not have life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So there's more to believing than just believing in a guy named Jesus or this guy in the Bible named Jesus. No, it's admitting that you deserve to die. It's believing that he died in your place and then it's committing to live and obey him. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what Jeannie believed. I know it because I talked to a lot of her, to her about it. That, that's what she believed. And that's why she lived such a selfless life of service to others. She was just following and obeying the example of her master, Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you that she, if she could be here tonight, she would do what she did so well all the time. She wouldn't let us focus on her, but she would turn the focus on us, wouldn't she? And she would start asking us questions, wouldn't she? And she would want to know. And the one thing she would want to know tonight, more than anything else, is are you ready to die? Do you know for sure that you're going to go to heaven? I want to ask you just to bow your heads and pray with me. We all came here to this memorial service tonight to honor someone we all loved, to express our sympathy to her family. But if that's all we did, we would have wasted this golden opportunity that God has given all of us to make sure that our lives are right with him. There's no question that Jeannie was ready to die. The question is, are you? Are you willing to acknowledge that your sinful way of life deserves to be punished by spending eternity away from the presence of God in a very real place called hell? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins so that you can be forgiven and enjoy eternal life in heaven? And have you committed your life to follow and obey him as your Lord and Savior? You know what? You can do that right now. If you've never made that decision, that decision that George and Jeannie made years ago in their living room, when they were shared the plan of salvation from the Bible. You, you could pray the same sort of prayer tonight, right now, in the quietness of your own heart. You can just simply say this, God, I know I'm a sinner who deserves to be punished for my sin. But I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place so that I can be forgiven for my sin. 
And right now, I turn away from my sin. I place my trust in Jesus Christ as the only way that I can be made right with you. And from this night forward, I commit my life to follow and obey Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Lord, we know that a person's funeral, memorial service, celebration of life is their last opportunity to share Christ, to share the gospel with their family and friends. Lord, we thank you that Jeannie's life spoke for itself. Lord, nothing that we said tonight was made up to make her sound better than she really was. That's who she was. And so we just thank you for the way that you so clearly displayed your grace and mercy, not only in Jeannie's life, but even in her death. Thank you for giving George and, and their kids such a strong biblical foundation and such strong faith in you that, that has sustained them and will continue to sustain them through these difficult days. Father, we know that it feels like a part of them is gone and even though they're rejoicing for their wife and mother and grandmother, they're experiencing deep pain and sorrow. So I pray that you would grant them the strength and the stamina that they need to endure this trial and that you've ordained for them and that they would grow and mature and that you would fill up where they're lacking in their faith, that they would be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And Lord, that they would find peace and comfort in remembering that Jeannie is in heaven and that someday they will get to see her again and be with her and you forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.